Oh, God is good. Well, I want you to open your Bibles this morning to the book Acts. The book of Acts. And, and I've got to warn you ahead of time, there's a lot of scripture coming your way today. A lot. And, and some days, some Sundays I have more than others, but um, I love the word of God. And I would much rather you at the end of a service walk away with more of the word and less of my ideas. And today is one of those days, especially as we continue speaking about, talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, so the book of Acts is, is kind of our grounding point, of course. Um, but we're going to be jumping all over the place. The verses will be up on the screen. But again, if you have the Bible app, if you want to check into to the, the bulletin, all of the verses will be there. And additionally, all of the points from last week from, uh, that I made on the person of the Holy Spirit, the personality of the Holy Spirit, I listed those there as well with the Bible references uh, for you. So if you want to check that out, please do that. So we started this series last week entitled Power Filled. Power Filled, a study on the person of the Holy Spirit, who he is and what he wants to do. We, we talked about last week the fact that the Holy Spirit has a mind, he has emotions, he has a will, he speaks, he teaches, he feels sorrow, he can be resisted, insulted, and lied to. Now, all of those things flow out of the fact that the Holy Spirit is a, a he, not an it. And for so long and too long in the, in the church as a whole, even in the Pentecostal church, we viewed the Holy Spirit as an it. Or like I said last week, like the force, all of our Star Wars fans, right? Oh, the Holy Spirit. No, he is not the force. He is a person. And I asked you last week, in fact, I, I challenge you, I asked this question, well, I challenge you to look at the Holy Spirit through fresh eyes and ask this question, what if, what if, what if you were to read the Bible, especially the New Testament and especially the book of Acts, without ever having read it before, and you had no preconceived ideas or notions, a fresh lens, a fresh perspective, my guarantee was this, you would come away recognizing the central and essential role of the Holy Spirit in the life of every single believer. And not only that, you would expect a great deal of the Holy Spirit. Your expectations would go through the roof. And we talked about the fact that we need to expect more from Him. Not in a demanding way, not in the two-year-old wanting an ice cream cone kind of way, right? But because he wants to give it to us. He wants to move. But as we sang this morning, we have to welcome his work and his presence in our lives. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 says this. Now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. So it begs the question, or at least the examination, if there's areas of my life where I don't feel free, I have to ask, have I invited the Spirit of God to move in those places? Because Scripture can't contradict itself. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if I'm feeling bondage and feeling that I'm not, I'm not walking in freedom, there's more, more than likely a place where I've not invited His presence and His Spirit to move. As we continue in this series, I want to 
I have a caution, and I put it in all caps in my notes. Caution. Our goal in this series is not to define God. It's not our goal. You're not going to get to the end of this series, and I'm not going to get done to the end of preaching this series, and you're going to go, I get God now. It's not going to happen. In fact, deeper you press in, the greater the mysteries seem to be. But what we're after is to come to a deeper understanding, a place of deeper understanding. And the word says that God wants us to understand who he is, to have a greater understanding, but we're not going to get it, at least not in the fullness of who he is. I've heard throughout my life, people say this statement, maybe you've heard it, maybe you've said it. Oh, I need to stop putting God in a box. Anyone ever heard that? And my response is always this. I don't know what you have in your box, but it's not God. (laughs) I need to stop putting God. No, God does not fit in a box. Or you've heard the the metaphors. The Holy Spirit is like. We just had St. Patrick's Day, right? The Holy Spirit is like an egg. There's a shell, and then there's the egg white, and then there's the yolk. Or rather, that's the Trinity, right? The Trinity is like this, and then the Holy Spirit moves. The the Trinity is is like water. There's ice, and then there's liquid, and there's vapor. Three parts, but the same elements. Or the the Trinity is like a three-leaf clover. Three, but one. No. The Holy Spirit in God is not like anything. When we say God is like, we're trying in vain to put God in a, in a way that we can define him in a way that we can understand. And he never intended for us to fully comprehend him because if we could, he would cease being God. Right? He's not like us. And we can't make him like something that is created. The creator cannot be like the creation. It's actually the opposite where we are like him. We are created in the image of God and we bear in our lives characteristics that reflect who God is. Does that mean we're God? No. Or you hear people, God is in the wind and God is, no, God made the wind and God made the trees, but he's not in them. And it sounds nice. And it's a lie from the enemy. God is just every, like the force. He's everywhere and he moves. No, he's not. He is the almighty deity over all things who created it. Yes. Okay. We got to move on. We can only begin to understand the fullness of who he is. And by the way, God is not a deity. The Holy Spirit is not a deity. He is deity. Because there are no others. Right? And you see how subtly the enemy will work into our philosophy and our, 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 our attempts in our theology. He is a, no, he's not a, he is the, he is the only one. This morning I want to speak about the promise of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the personality of the Holy Spirit this week. Today, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Promises are a big deal. You ever been promised something and then you, you expect that it's going to happen? Anyone? Okay. All right, everyone just wave your hands in the air. Just let me know that you're alive. Okay, let me ask that again. Has anyone ever been promised anything? This is interactive this morning. All right, good. Wow. 
Promises are a big deal. Ask any kid, right? You promise your kid that after the game, we're going to go get an ice cream cone. Is that a big deal to them? That's a huge deal. Their whole life starts revolving around that ice cream cone. Now, as an adult, we just kind of go, oh yeah, that. But for them, it becomes like their singular focus. It's a big deal. Parenthetically here real quick, be careful what you promise. Because your promising and breaking of promises in your kids' lives shapes their perception of who God is. So if you're not actually willing to follow it through, don't promise. Don't promise. We use that, oh, I promise you. Don't promise. The Bible's, that's another sermon as well. But that, that, that's more for your kids than it is for you in your parenting. If, what if I promised you this morning that for the rest of the, your life, you would have every need taken care of? Needs in every area, physically, in your health, your finances, provision, safety. You guarantee, promise that everything would be taken care of. Emotionally, in your relationships, for stability in your emotions, for happiness. What if I promise that every mental need, psychological, answers to questions, understanding and ideas, every need would be taken care of. That every spiritual need, purpose and stability and peace and understanding and power What if I could promise you this morning that all of those things are available to you and that you could live your rest of your life without ever wanting in any of these areas? Would you you be up for receiving that promise? Yeah, we would be, all of us. Even if you're not raising your hand, it's okay. There's more coffee, don't go right now though. Um, Drink it before. God's word is full of promises for you. Now, I don't have the authority to give you that promise. In fact, if I were to stand up this morning and say, I promise you I'm going to give you a million dollars after church, you're going to go, I'm not going to take you up on that. Right? Because you know I don't have a million dollars. Well, maybe you don't know that, but I'll tell you, I don't have a million dollars. If Bill Gates walked into the room and he says, listen, I, after this service, man, God just spoke to me and I hope that God speaks to Bill Gates. If not, Lord, would you speak to him? If he were to walk in and say to everyone here, you know what, God spoke to me that I was supposed to come to this church and write a check for a million dollars for every single one of you, would you believe that promise? Absolutely you would. It'd be, I guarantee none of you would run out of here to go to lunch until you had your check. Am I right? So there's something about the one who's doing the promising as well. If I make a promise... I have to make a promise that I can keep. And that's part of the problem with our kids. So often we make promises that we can't keep. But when God promises you, he has every resource available to him. He has the power, the authority, everything he needs to fulfill his promise. And his word is full of promises. He he has promises regarding your eternity. He has promises about your life here on earth. He has promises for you about your family, your purpose, your finances, every aspect of life. He has promises for you. And he's wanting you to receive those promises. But I've got to tell you this morning, the absolute greatest promise for us is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit changes everything for us. 
I go so far as to say this, you cannot live a victorious, overcoming, transformational Christian life without the Holy Spirit. It's just not possible. And that's why God's word is full of promises specifically relating to the Holy Spirit. So we find ourselves at this moment, two weeks after Easter, in fact, this last week was Pentecost, 40 days after the resurrection, over this period of 40 days, Jesus revealed himself to the disciple and he appears to them 12 times. It's 12 moments where he speaks to them, he fellowships with them, he shares his heart with them, he reminds them of some things. And and one of the things that keeps coming up over and over during that 40-day period is the promise of the Holy Spirit. And 10 days after his ascension, on the day of Pentecost, we see the disciples in the upper room and they receive the promise in the book of Acts. By the way, Pentecost, if you've ever wondered what that means or you've heard the term Pentecostal, what is that? It's a, it's a reference to 50 days. See, Pentecost came 50 days after the Passover and it was a, it was a feast um, and it was a, a, a festival that was happening where uh, the, the people would come and they would prevent, pre- present their first fruits, their offering to the Lord. And so Pentecost is just simply 50 It's 50 days after Passover, but it was on this day when the city of Jerusalem was packed with people, wall-to-wall people, that the Spirit of God falls on this group of believers in this upper room who've been waiting for the promise. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 5, Jesus says to them, starting in verse 4, while they were staying, while, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so they did, and they waited. And he ascends to heaven 10 days later. They're praying, they're together in the upper room. They take a vote on who should replace Judas because now there's 11 of them. And they, they, they have... Uh, an extra apostle, disciple that's added to their number and they're restored back to the 12. And while they're in the upper room, says that there was a sound like a rushing wind and the whole place was just shaking and above each one appeared tongues of fire and they were filled and they received the promise of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we're gonna pause here for a second because I need to address something that may or may not be popping into your head. If, if this is not a thought for you, then there's a point of clarity and it'll give you some tools to explain. And if it is a question for you, hopefully this answers it. Over this one issue, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of division in the body of Christ. In fact, it's one of the reasons we have, uh, one, one of many reasons, but one of the key reasons, there's different denominations. Because some denominations believe that the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was just for this season in the book of Acts, for the establishing of the Holy Church, uh, of the church, or some would say the Holy Church. Um, and, then, and then the gifts and the outpouring of the Spirit stopped. 
As Pentecostals, as a four-square church, we believe that God's word stands forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he poured out his spirit then, he's going to pour out his spirit now. There's a lot more that goes along with that, and there's a lot of depth to this. But, but maybe the question pops into your head, and, and, and believe me, as much as I want to delve into this, we just don't have the time today. Um, and and it's, it's worth studying and understanding. But I want to touch on, on really the, t- the two central questions. There would be this, this question, don't I receive the Holy Spirit when I give my life to Jesus? Is the Holy Spirit somehow not a part of that when I say yes to Jesus and make him Lord of my life? Well, the, question, the answer is yes, you do receive the Holy Spirit in that he, you cannot separate the Trinity. They cannot be removed from each other. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all at work in the work of salvation. Make sense? In fact, the Holy Spirit is critically involved in your salvation. It's not like he's a bystander. He's involved in the process. I'll read you a, a, a line right out of uh, the foundations of Pentecostal theology, which is our, not just for the Foursquare Church, but for Pentecostal churches around the world is, is our kind of our foundation. Well, it's foundations of Pentecostal theology, and it is looked to as one of the authoritative works in regards to this. And I thought, I'll just read what they, what they wrote. There is a vital difference between the Holy Spirit baptizing believers into the body of Christ and operation of the Holy Spirit and being baptized with the Holy Ghost, which is an operation of Jesus. That our baptism into the body of Christ is a work of the Spirit. Right When you come to Jesus and you say yes to Him... Nothing physically changes. You might have emotion, but it's a spiritual working that happens, and you don't see it. It is spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes you into the faith through, through your faith in Jesus Christ, right? And the Father is a part of that, His plan. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that Jesus does. It's an operation of Jesus Christ in our lives. It's something He gives to us, or someone rather, not something, because the Holy Spirit is a person. Someone he gives to us. One brings us into the body, the other empowers us for service. And there's an important distinction there. I'll read you a couple of passages. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13 says this, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through, the, through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. But then Mark, I mean rather Luke records the words of John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3 verse 15 and 16. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Christ. John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Two very distinct passages there. We're going to stop there, and I hope that that just helps frame our conversation this morning. If there's any question maybe lingering, 
Talk to me after service. We can, we can press into this more. But, but I needed for us to be in a place of clarity in regards to our stance in the operation of the Holy Spirit at salvation and in regards to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are we good? Does that make sense? All right. The promised realized. So the, the apostles, the disciples are in the upper room. Jesus says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and we're going to put that up on the, ver- uh, on the screen. And you'll notice I've underlined, bolded, and changed the color in some words. And we're going to read this together. I'm going to ask you to read off the screen so we're all reading the same thing. But where the colored words are, would you just emphasize those loudly? Okay? So we'll, when we read, we'll say, but you. We're tracking? All right. When we get to the power, of course, you can't say power without power. So let's be powerful in our power saying. Okay, here we go. On the count of three. One, two, three. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Give yourselves a hand. Good job. We're not done yet. We're going to read this again, but I personalized this. And I want you now to read it this way. Now, don't read, but your name. Okay? Your name is your name. So when you get to your name, say your name and say it loudly. You will receive power. Well, I didn't color that one, but there's where it says your name. Make sure to to say your name. And then I changed the locale because honestly for us, Judea, Samaria, you know, ends of the earth doesn't, I mean, we get the ends of the earth, right? Because for them, that's us. But it personalizes it. You ready? You got this? You need to practice your name a couple of times? If you forgot your name, ask the person sitting next to you. Here we go. On the count of three. One, two, three. But Barry will receive power when the Spirit has come upon Barry. And Barry will be my witness in Glendora in all Southern California, and North America, and to the end of the earth. Yeah. Takes on a different meaning, doesn't it? It's one thing to read about what they were experiencing, but this is what God has for you. Now. That he wants to move in power in your life now. Now. The power to be a witness comes from the Holy Spirit. The responding to a call to go to St. Louis, Missouri to plant a church wasn't just the Turner's idea. I guarantee you it wasn't just the Turner's idea. As they surrendered their hearts and their lives to the Lord and said, God, what do you have for us? What are you calling us to that the Holy Spirit spoke and said, I'm calling you to go and be my witness in a place that is not your home. I'm calling you to a place because there's people who need what you have to give. And you might be wondering, well, if I personalize this and mean it, maybe God will call me to go somewhere else. Yes, he might. And can I tell you, the fear of that shouldn't stop you from praying the prayer. Or asking for the promise. Because that's silly. Oh Lord I would just rather be comfortable where I am now. Than pray a prayer that could actually stir up my life. 
and lead me to a place where I could impact others for Jesus Christ. Yeah, that sounds that ridiculous. You will be his witnesses. And believe me, he's not going to call you to go somewhere else if you're not doing it at home. He's just not. So let's start where we are. And once you have a heart for your street and your community and your workplace, he's going to give you a bigger heart to go beyond that because God is moving and he's drawing people to himself and he wants to use us to be a part of that. All right, I've got three main points I want to make this morning. You're like, what? There's still more points? Absolutely. Three main points, they'll be on the screen. First is this, the promise in the Old Testament. One of the things that kind of irks me in the church today, especially in the Pentecostal church, I can say that I've grown up in the Pentecostal church. It's all I've ever known. And one of the things that kind of irks me is this. We're so New Testament focused and even book of Acts focused. Oh, and I just want my church to be like the book of Acts. You don't live in Jerusalem. Your context is different. If we're not doing the way they did it in Acts, no, you can't do that. Well, it's all about the New Testament, the New Covenant. We're under. No, you know what? God gave us all of Scripture. And I tell you what, when you engage in the Old Testament, the New Testament comes alive. Those promises I talked about that God has for your life, most of them are contained in the Old Testament and are fulfilled in the New Testament. So if you don't know what the promises are, you're not going to be able to celebrate what God is doing. All right, soapbox done. The Holy Spirit is present in the Old Testament. Again, you can't separate the Trinity. The Holy Spirit was present at creation. In the beginning, God. That includes the Holy Spirit. He's there. He was involved in that work. And so we can look back through the Old Testament at places and points where God was pointing ahead to ultimately what would be the work he wanted to accomplish. Reread this prophecy, primarily we quote it out of Acts chapter 2, verse 16, but I want to read it from the book of Joel. The prophet Joel who said these words in Joel chapter 2, Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all. Everyone say all. All flesh, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Peter gets up and he preaches to the crowd. They hear them speaking in tongues. And the crowd accuses and says, you guys must be drinking new wine. And Peter goes, no, 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 that's not what's going on. And he gets up and he preaches a sermon, which by the way, at the end of it, 3,000 people get saved. But he quotes Joel and he says, this is what's happening. God's spirit is being poured out. And things are happening that are beyond the natural. Signs and wonders. My spirit will be poured out on all flesh. Men, women, children. It's not just for a select few. God's promise is for everyone. I was seven years old, seven years old at church, Sunday morning. And the pastor just simply said, 
Does anyone here want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Seven years old. I was like, yeah, I want that. Taken out into a side room where I got prayed for. There was a lady who came and prayed with me. Sitting there, we, our church met in a tent. I maybe I've shared this before, but we, we met in like a big circus tent. We were building a new building. And so went into the little side tent. It was white and green stripes. Can I remember? Blue chairs. And sitting there, and she prayed with me, and then she walked away. And at seven years old, I started speaking in tongues. No one had to coach me, teach me. And, and, and can I be honest? There wasn't a lot of fear in my heart. I didn't have to overthink it. I was seven. <laughs> God's like, hey, I have this gift for you. I have this promise for you. I'm like, great, I want it. He's like, sure, here you go. And it just happened. It's what I've always known. But there, there, there's this modicum of fear that creeps in. Like, oh, that's just kind of weird, Right? Oh, those Pentecostals, those holy rollers. Now, believe me, listen, there are people who go to the extreme. And I'm not going to judge because it's not my place and it's not your place. Can I just say that? I've had people ask me, well, what do you think about that? Hey, you know what? If God chooses to pour out his spirit, then that's what he does. Now, if people are getting hurt, and a different story, and we can, we can discuss that. But listen, far be it from me to speak against God's anointed, the heart of David. We do not have a place to speak against his bride. We have to take personal responsibility. But sometimes that fear and that judgment and that overlay and those things that become, they come into our purview, stop us from fully encountering what God has for us. It's not weird. It's God. Well, I don't understand it. You're not supposed to understand it because it's God. And once you start moving into that place and you function in the, under the power of the Holy Spirit, man, the, the understanding is deeper. It's not an understanding here. It's an understanding at a deeper level. All right, I got off my notes. The Holy Spirit doesn't just show up all of a sudden in the New Testament. Like he's been like hanging in, you know, in the wings, just waiting, right? Stage left or stage right. And he's like, when's my turn? He was absolutely involved in the Old Testament. Like I said, present in, the, in, in at creation, worked in God's people throughout the New Testament. One important distinction though. They did not experience the fullness of the Spirit. They didn't experience the fullness of the Spirit. And we read about that, and we don't have time to... There's a lot of passages. Google it. If you have a, a Bible app, just type in Holy Spirit or Spirit of God and see what pops up in the Old Testament. But we know that Gideon, Saul, David, Samson, and others, it says that the Spirit of God came upon them. That was not some other Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit. The distinction is this, that the Spirit came upon them for a season or for a moment... And then the Spirit of God was removed because the vessel was not ready to receive the fullness. And the reason we had to wait for Jesus and his atoning work at the cross and the work of regeneration, which involved not just the, resur- I mean, the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension. And all three of those are important to complete the work in our lives. He prepared the vessel to receive we had, our sin had to be atoned for before we could receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit came upon them, but for us, 
We are filled. The Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in us. Huge distinction. Wasn't God's ultimate goal that the Spirit would just come upon? In fact, in Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 36, verse 26 and 27 says this. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God was working a work. He was preparing something for us. And the prophets spoke about it and said, this is coming. This is going to happen. Joel spoke about it. Ezekiel spoke about it. Isaiah spoke about it. Jeremiah spoke about it. They prophesied about what would come. And we can see it evidenced in the people in the Old Testament in their lives in part. But we get to receive the fullness. Even Jesus, after being baptized in water, he goes down into the Jordan River. He comes up. He makes a public declaration of his commitment to follow God. Which, by the way, if anyone was doubting his commitment to following God... Yeah, you're not very observant. (laughs) But he makes a public declaration when he comes up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And the Bible says, there's a voice from heaven that said, this is my son, in him I am well pleased. The Father is present, the Son is present, the Spirit is present. And it says, the Holy Spirit came upon him and remained. And remained. He came and he stayed. Why? Because Jesus needed the Holy Spirit? No, because we need the Holy Spirit and we need to follow his example. We need to follow his example and it was at that point he was empowered for service. Second is this, the promise of the Father through Jesus Christ. We see the, Old Test- the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and we also recognize that the promise of the Holy Spirit is a promise from the Father through Jesus Christ. We are a foursquare gospel church. Foursquare gospel is this, that Jesus Christ is our savior, our baptizer in the Holy Spirit, our healer, and our soon and coming king. It is a Christ-centric gospel, which is awesome. I love it. I came into the foursquare church later in life, and I love this family, and I love how well-grounded we are in our faith in our belief about the Holy Spirit. But that second point, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We already read about that, that that was his operation. His function, his function was to anoint us and fill us with the Holy Spirit. To fill us with the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 24, verse 45 through 49 Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This is Jesus, by the way. After the resurrection, he's he's spending time. I was going to say he's hanging out with the disciples. He's spending time. Let's give some reverence. He's spending time with the disciples and said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses, or you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the 
promise. The what? Promise. The promise of, of who? Of my Father. The promise of the Father upon them. Stay in this city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus speaks about the promise of the Father. I tell you what, one of the great mysteries and one of the things that we try and wrap our head around is how the Trinity works together. I can't tell you exactly, but I just know it works. And they work in such perfect unity and they complement each other so well and we benefit from that, which is just mind-blowing. You will, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. We read, already read in Luke chapter 3, verse 16, that he, John, John speaking of Jesus, that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Why fire? Well, there's different symbols throughout Scripture that symbolize the Holy Spirit. Oil is one of them. Fire is one of them. Why fire? Fire is catalytic. Right? Fire produces heat. It produces light. And fire will change the properties of something. It will produce energy. Right? Science teachers in the room, you guys are like, yeah, I could lecture on that. Fire, we understand that if I take an egg, I put it in a pan and put some fire under it, it cooks the egg. Fire is catalytic. It's used in all kinds of places in the world around us. Even, even in electricity, by the way. Fire is catalytic. And so when, when Jesus says he's going to baptize, or John says of Jesus that he's going to baptize us in fire, what he's saying is, I'm going to catalyze you. I'm going to move you beyond where you are right now into something greater. So there's a catalytic nature. John chapter 4, 14, verse 15 through 7 says, If you love me and keep my commandments, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, rather. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Again, we see the distinction between the work of the Spirit in salvation and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He dwells with you. You already know God, because of your relationship with me, but there's something more. He wants to not just be with you. He wants to be in you. By the way, when it says that the world cannot receive him, I talked about the vessel being prepared. The same thing applies to those who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You cannot be filled if your vessel is not clean. And the only way the vessel is clean is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. They're coming to him and surrendering your life. And in that moment, the spirit does a saving work. You're baptized into the body. And he says, now you're ready for more. Two distinct things going on. John chapter 16. I'm going to ask you to do this. If you're taking notes, write this. It's John 16, 7 through 15. It's in the app. I'm not going to read the whole passage. It's a longer one. But again, Jesus speaking about the promise and he says, unless I go away, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away, the Father will send the Spirit of truth. And he will guide you. So we see the, the Spirit in the Old Testament, the promise of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the promise of the Holy Spirit as a promise of the Father through Jesus Christ. And then finally this, the promise for you. The promise for you. 
The promise of the Holy Spirit is not something that just happened 2,000 years ago. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for you here and now. That there is nothing, nothing, nothing stopping you from receiving the promise and the fullness of the Spirit if you've given your life to Jesus Christ. Well, but, but what if... I, I, I don't feel ready. I don't feel righteous. I don't feel whole. I, I still have things that I need to work out. Nowhere in scripture does it say that you need to wait. There's not like a cooling off period. The Bible says, get saved, be saved, put your faith in Jesus Christ, commit your life to him and you will be saved. Be baptized in water, make a public declaration and be filled with the spirit. Boom, boom, boom. Why would you want to wait? He's got it for you right now. See, but our thinking in the world around us and the reality we've created for ourselves because someone said once and I heard a preacher say and I read it in a book. Listen, the only book that matters is this. And this book, you can test me on this. You can check it out. This book says, be saved, be baptized in water and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, it doesn't have to happen in that order. And it doesn't have to happen in an upper room. Those are things that that man has overlaid. It's men's ideas. And quite honestly, quite frankly, a lot of those rules and regulations are heaped on people as a way of control. Not to see people walk in freedom and in power and authority. I don't want to be one of those churches. I want this place to be... This church would be a place where someone is saved on Sunday morning, baptized on Sunday afternoon, filled with the Holy Spirit in the evening, and that week goes out in signs and wonders. Come on. Why not? God is moving in power. And it doesn't even have to take that long, by the way. It can all happen in the morning. (laughs) Why not? Because God has given you that authority. He's given you their place. And there's stuff falling out of my Bible. Joel, again, Joel's promise was, and it shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Are you a part of that? Are you a part of that? That was, that was a little weak. Let me ask you, are you a part of that? Yes, you are an all. If you are a son or a daughter, an old man, a young man, Male or female, we all fall, fall into that some point, some place. He wants to pour out his spirit in these days. We're living in those days. Those days are right now. And I've got to tell you, yesterday at the Colosseum, close to 100,000 people gathered to cry out to the Lord and say, God, we need a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. And know this, throughout history, there have been places where the spirit of God pours out and there is revival And I hear people praying for revival like it's going to show up on a Greyhound bus. Hey, revival's here. No, revival is birthed out of, as Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They'll be filled. Blessed are those who hunger uh, hunger and thirst. Do you have a hunger for the things of God, for his kingdom to be here and now, for his will to be done, for his power to be evidenced when God's people pray? And can I tell you, I love, we watched most of the day what was happening at the Colosseum. And I shared before service, I felt kind of bad because we didn't go and then I was going to go. Honestly, I I forgot. (laughs) 
And I was like, oh, I should go. And then I didn't go. And then there weren't tickets available. And I was sitting last night at Starbucks, feeling badly, preparing a message on the Holy Spirit, feeling badly that I didn't go downtown. I was like, oh, I missed it. I literally, I thought that I missed that. While I'm studying on a message about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And God just spoke to me and he said, you missed nothing. That was awesome. And God is moving. He's like, but you can be sitting in a Starbucks, driving in your car, going, stand, sitting in a multi-purpose room at Sellers Elementary where it says Vikings and that guy is peeking out at us every Sunday. Right? Come on. Come on. Tell me you don't look at him every week and just smile. <laughs> that God's spirit will fall right here. We miss nothing. The only reason we miss it is because he's standing at the door knocking and we're so busy. We're like, hey, I'll get to you in a minute. Spirit, power of the spirit of God leads us to action. It's catalytic to witness, to prophesy, to dream dreams. To have visions, to see signs and wonders, the dead raised, the blind see, the deaf hearing, broken relationships restored. Can I just tell you this morning, there isn't a single broken relationship that God cannot restore. You think of right now, because I know you know someone, maybe you're in that place. You're thinking of, not that relationship, yes, that relationship. He can, he will, and he wants to. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13 says this. We'll close on this point. And I tell you, Jesus speaking, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks to the one who knocks, it will be opened. You notice there's no maybes or ifs or if you're ready or you've got to go through nothing. It will, it will, it will. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more? Let me ask you this morning. Who is the Holy Spirit to you? Is He the force moving in and through? No. Is He something that you just can't fathom and because I can't understand, I'm just not going to go there? Maybe there's a bad bad taste in your mouth because of an experience or because of a perception from years ago. Strip all of that away this morning in this place. Who is the Holy Spirit to you? Let me ask it this way. Have you received the promise of the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with power from on high? Because it's for all of us. And I hope, my prayer is that the scriptures I've shared today, and believe me, there's more. There's a lot more. That the word of God has convinced you that this is for you for now. 
for today. And if you're not there, if you've not received, if you've not asked and embraced the promise, I'll just, I'll just be frank, I'll be honest. You're walking in defeat. You're not experiencing the fullness of what God has for you. Don't mean that as an accusation, but as an observation. God has more. And we stand together. Got a couple of points of action this morning. First is this. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to give us a moment to, to have a personal moment with Jesus. I've made this distinction. We talked about this on Easter Sunday. I want to talk about it every Sunday. None of this happens, none of this is possible outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have not said yes to him and received him as your Lord and Savior, then none of these other things can happen. And so maybe you feel the Lord stirring your heart today to take a step of faith. Maybe you're going, I want the Holy Spirit. You first need Jesus. You first need Jesus. It's just that matter of fact. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask this question. If you've not said yes to Jesus, if you've not made him Lord of your life, if you've not invited him to come in and make you a new creation to cleanse you of your sin, I want to give you that opportunity without anyone looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand high. Thank you. I see that. Anyone else? Anyone else who wants to say yes to Jesus? You've never said yes to him before. You've never received him. Right on. Let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I repent and turn to follow you. Be the Lord of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, that was the personal moment. Here's what I'm going to ask. First is this. Maybe you've said yes to Jesus, but you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I don't know if I have. If you've never come to a place where you said, God, give me the gift of your Holy Spirit, then you probably haven't. it's, It's a marker moment in the life of the believer. It's why it's recorded in scripture for us, not just in Acts, but in other places as well. If you've not said yes to receiving the promise of the Holy Spirit, and you'd like that this morning, just raise your hand. Thank you. Keep them up, keep them up. Because we want people to see, hold them high. Thank you. Here's what I'm going to ask. Jacques, would you come start playing? Our pastors, Tom, Deb, David, and Michelle, Megan. In fact, why don't you guys, um, I'm going to have our pastors just on the left and the right here. If you raise your hand or maybe you're kind of going like this. It's okay. They want to pray with you. Step out. Just come, come right on up. If you raise your hand, come on up and they'll pray with you. Come on up, David. You can pray, pray over here with Tom and Deb. I know there are some other hands. Be bold. Be empowered. God wants to move in your life. Here's the second thing. Maybe you're in a place where you're like, it's been a while. Jesus has been knocking. He's been knocking on the door and I've been busy. It's okay. God says, 
answer the door this morning. Why is it important to step out and pray with someone? Is it part of the formula? There's no formula, but there's power in agreement and in unity. You could just stand there and go, Holy Spirit, just come in me right now. But man, when you step out, there's power. If that's you, if you've been in a place where you're like, I've been living without the power of the Holy Spirit daily filling me and I need more. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Just step out and come pray with someone. Just do it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Just go for it. I declare that fear has no place. Fear has no place. Thank you. We're going to continue to worship. If God starts stirring your heart to step out and pray with someone, come and pray with someone. Maybe you're like, hey, I've got I to process all of this. That's okay. Don't take too long. How do you ask for the fullness of the Spirit? Like this. Father God, you promised your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I received that promise. Would you fill my life? Done. And the Bible says when you ask, He gives. Abundantly. We're going to continue to worship. Our prayer team is available as well in the back. If you have any other prayer requests, any other prayer needs, there's nothing that the Spirit of God can't answer this morning. There is no need too great that He can't move in. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank You this morning for the promise of the Holy Spirit, for the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that we're in a place where we don't get partial, we get everything. Thank You that You promised us in Your Word that You would pour out Your Spirit on all flesh. We receive the promise today. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are welcome in our hearts. You are welcome in our lives. You are welcome in this church. You are welcome in this community. Shape us and mold us and transform us and speak to us. I pray that you would do mighty works, signs and wonders through your people, I pray. In Jesus' name.